and welcome to Stationery Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford, joined by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. How's life in the med this week, Stu? Uh, it's absolutely splendid, Justin. Thank you very much. How about BC? How are things up there? Oh, it's gross. Um, we've been threatening storms for the last couple of days, and I'm looking out there, and it looks like we got smoke overnight roll in from one of the many wildfires up here. Mm. It's a it's a crazy year already. Good thing I'm already planning my escape in my truck for when the house burns down. Right. Well, wildfires, scary things. We've had choppers going across us with the buckets. Um, I don't know if they're practicing or doing the real thing, but um, I haven't seen any smoke or smelt any smoke of late. So hopefully it's just practice. Yeah, it's still really early here for uh, any of this stuff. So ah, but the summer's going to be fun, I'm sure. Uh, more importantly, though, how's the tattoo? How are the dogs? And how's mom? In that order. In that order. Okay, the tattoo is awesome. Um, it's, uh, as we record, it's a week old. Uh, so it's still a little bit itchy. Um, there's still a little bit of sort of yucky flakiness going on, but we won't dwell on that. Oh, um, there's a visual. Indeed. But uh, it looks, to my eye, and I am biased, uh, fantastic. I mean, one thing that you will find about people who get tattooed is that they're unlikely to say they don't like it, given that it's there forever. Um, there's a sort of confirmation bias inherent in the answers. But uh, no, I absolutely love it. And the people I've shown it to have gone, wow. Or actually, a few people have looked at it and gone, you don't do things by half, do you? And I, I sort of said, no, no, that's probably a reasonable introduction to my character. If I get a tattoo, I get a tattoo. So uh, I think next week I'll do some photos and a blog post and uh, there we go. But overall, delighted with it. Mm. Uh, the dogs, uh, I had them down at the vet today just to check that uh, the infection was clearing up. And I saw I saw the head vet, the big man himself, uh, Miguelis Pelicanis. Ah, the, the guy that you bought the boat for. <laughs> well, he, he was the guy that uh, desperately tried to do everything he could for, for my beloved Nero um, and therefore can do absolutely no wrong in my eyes. Um, he's, he's one of those vets who became a vet because he's passionate about animals. Um, uh, so he said, look, we can, um, we can pretty much safely say it's ringworm um, and it probably came from some of the neighbourhood wild cats. Um, there is a, a vaccination that you can sort of apply at this point that they're infected and it will help them fight it off and hopefully keep it away. But either way, you're stuck with it for six weeks. So um, they've had their, their shot. Um, so they've had antibiotics. Now they've had a vaccination. I have to apply cream twice a day. And apparently, uh, this is probably more information than non-doc owners need, um, the infection is carried in the hair. So... Um, around the affected area, I have to keep putting cream on the hair. And to my wife's delight, we have to vacuum a lot. Uh, and she loves vacuuming. So um, that's that's a big thing. I mean, we, we've got Carruthers, our little Roomba, who will do that. But he's now on overtime, double time, uh, trying to get all the hairs up because Charlie, the Jack Russell, molts. <laughs> so um, my wife has now got visions of infected hair all over the house. Um, uh, my world smells of bleach at the moment. I think it's the best thing I could say. Um, but they're both in good form. They've got the cones off, so they're delighted about that. Uh, my mum, uh, still, it's inconclusive. Um, but it's inconclusive, I think, in a much more positive way than we'd originally thought. So uh, without getting into all the details, which are A, too boring, and B, um, probably not something I should share publicly, um, the, the sort of next course of action is, right, let's have another look in August. Um, but we're reasonably comfortable that there's nothing to be panicky about. So hopefully that's really, really good. Yay. And what about you? I mean, how is how is life in rural BC? Has it sort of all calmed down? Because it was all a bit frenetic last time we spoke. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to talk about that because uh, that uh, is my tool of the week. Uh, but my guests have left. Okay. Uh, and we had uh, my wife's friends come, so they were all female and i don't know what this is do i gotta talk about this because things bother me mm -hmm. i'm a man who 
puts things in a particular way. And when things aren't left that way, they bother me. Toilet lid stew. Mm. Up or down? Um, or oh. how do you handle this in your household? Right. Uh, how do I handle this in my household? Well, I have a couple of nicknames for my wife. Um, this will undoubtedly get me into a lot of trouble. So there's the Ayatollah Memsab, uh, the War Office, She Who Must Be Obeyed, uh, the Ministry of Fun, uh, uh, Officer Commanding Domestic. So that last one probably gives you the idea. If Mrs. L wants lids up, then lids are up. If Mrs. L wants lids down, then they are down. Uh, she wants them down, so they are down. And I couldn't give a monkeys. Um, I really would have made a blind bit of difference to me. Because I think, I, I appreciate that this is going to be running against the general thread of the Twyford. Um, we've solved this problem. We've designed the solution in, in that all um, WCs now have a lid that goes up or down with really the minimum of effort. So uh, it's quite straightforward to please whoever it is that has a strong preference. That would be me. <laughs> don't know what it is. I, I mean, for me, I've always had lids down. The, the fact there is a lid, there's a seat and a lid. And I think both of those should be down. According to the ladies who were visiting last week, just the seats down and the lids up. And this bothers me for some unknown reason, more than I can ever admit. But the whole thing has to be down. Right. Uh, the passive aggressive in me wants to go and lift the whole thing up so that hey, if you sit down without looking, you're going to go splash. Uh, but I would never do that. But the lids are down for many reasons. But when things are flushed, I don't want little particles floating up. That's the idea that you've got a lid there. I also don't want to have an accident with a toothbrush and phone or whatever you've got in the bathroom nowadays. Plop, splash. Um, so it just makes sense that they built these things with lids. And as you say, lids go up and down pretty easily. But I kept walking past our guest bathroom and it 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 bothered me like, fingernails down a chalkboard i don't know what it was um i spent more time putting lids and you know you would think that by the fourth or fifth time that i've done this during a stay somebody's going to look at this and go somebody likes a lids down um but uh, no no it was a whole week of me uh, walking past having anxiety walk past the guest's bathroom is it going to be up did somebody go pee am i going to have to you know oh crazy i, I th is this just me people mm. audience let me know i i know syracuse had this whole thing a couple of uh months ago about uh uh the glass in the bathroom oh yes uh, this i think is my version of that but i never realized it until last week three women staying all of them lids up why just why <laughs> Well, I mean, one one rule that serves me well, Justin, is that when you have guests, then uh, the guest bedroom and the guest bathroom, the only way to cope with this as a slightly neurotic middle-aged man, or indeed woman, is to close those doors and not regard them. So for the period that your guests are there, who knows what chaos will ensue? I mean, I know that all of my guests for example, fling their clothes everywhere. Something I've never quite understood, but that's that's how they live. And do you know what? They're my guests. They can do what the hell they want in the guest room. Um, and then after the guests have gone, I deal with the, the whole bringing it. Well, I don't, but Mrs. L deals with the whole bringing order to uh, to the world again. Because uh, otherwise it's just too stressful. It's, it's far too stressful. You just got to let people get on with it, Justin. And I think the issue we may be facing here is that your wife's friends are normal people and have given no thought to the lids up or down question um, and probably never even occurred to them to check whether the lid was in the state in which they left it. I tell you what, though, if I left the lid completely up and the seat up, um, I would I would hear about it. I'm sure of that. <laughs> Well, you'd probably you'd probably be asked, "What are you doing in the guest bathroom, you strange man?" Okay, so oh, okay, so we have to start with this, don't we? Uh, so the guest room is in Kaylee's suite. 
if you like. Uh -huh. She has a bathroom, a kitchen, a living room, and a couple of bedrooms. She sleeps in one. The second one is our spare guest room. Mm -hmm. So they use that room. But then they come upstairs to hang out. And while they're upstairs, they have, because one does not want your guests to have to go all the way downstairs to go to the bathroom, there's another bathroom there that is the guest bathroom mark too. So they can use either bathroom, whichever they works. I mean, we've got four bathrooms in this house. So um, I've got, I've still got my bathroom. My wife has her bathroom and, uh, you know, we could, we could still leave the guests to do whatever they want. They have choices. <laughs> the one upstairs is in the hallway to my bedroom. So every time I go into the bedroom, for whatever reason, I'm going to see, walk past this. And it's like, I, you, you know how you've got scabs that you just want to pick and you, they won't stop itching on your, on your tattoo right now. You keep looking at them. You know that you shouldn't pick them. You shouldn't scratch them, but it's there. It's just itching. It's itching. It's itching. That's me with this bathroom. I cannot help but look at it and see, is it lit up or down? It is so annoying. It's not even funny. You just have to close the door, Justin. That's that. You just walked it. You close the door. Don't look. Close the door. Don't look. Close the door. That's it. This problem will go away. Mm. Mm. All right. We shall move on. <laughs> Stu, besides the toilet lids, uh, what was your tool of the week? Uh, my tool of the week? Uh, well, the deadline. The good old-fashioned deadline. Um, sort of, or instant focus, as I like to call it. Uh, actually, it goes back to the whole guests thing. So when I had guests and my routines were thrown up in the air, um, my sort of study focus went off a bit. I just started a module and I have what they call the formative assessment is due in at the end of this week. Um, and it was, I mean, it wasn't very long, so it's a thousand words. And key, key piece of information, it's not graded. So, so frankly, I could have just put a thing saying I'm not doing this. But, you know, you're expected to sort of make an effort, I guess. Um, and at the end of this month, because I mistakenly sort of started off my business project, my dissertation for the MBA, um, and they wouldn't let me unstart it, um, at the end of this month, I've got to put my proposal in, which is a bit more substantive. Is it 3,000 words? Um, and it has to be in a certain format and all the usual academic nonsense. Ew. Um, and so I was like, oh, suddenly, suddenly I've got a lot to do. Um, but actually, I knocked off the, the 1,000 worder uh, earlier in the week. I edited it uh, yesterday afternoon and submitted it. Boom, done. And the dissertation uh proposal i i sort of was thinking around my subject and because you have to try and convince someone that this is a good question to ask um and also to supervise it um and i was a little bit mm, i'm not sure i mean does anybody care about this and just sort of kicked it around a bit fell upon something and went oh that's it that's the very thing um and just sort of thought that i'd broken through and uh, you know, the, the idea of writing 3000 words now is, you know, I'll do it in between, uh, in between tasks. I would have thought it's just, it's flowing as it were. Uh, so yes, I'm going to be asking all sorts of questions about nine 11 and things. It'd be very exciting. Um, so yeah, the, the deadline got me going. Well, and truly impressed with myself. What about you? What's your tool of the week? Well, you may have gathered this, but, uh, routine. I surprisingly, <laughs> Stu, do not do well when my routine is interrupted. Mm -hmm. Whatever is happening to me in my old age. A hamster soul. Mm. A little bit of background. I have never owned a house where I have not been able to use every single bedroom for some hobby of mine to the point where I can use the excuse, I don't have a guest room. Uh, so this is the first time in all of my life that I've ever had a guest room. And I guess that's part of it is I'm just not used to entertaining. Yeah, we had all these guests coming in, coming out. Uh, one left uh, sort of just before lunch. and The other one showed up, well, in the evening, same day. So it was an entire week of people living under my roof. And oh my gosh, dude. Um, it's, it threw me off my game. I've got to go right there. It threw me right off my game. 
So I'm, I'm already drafting up uh, how I'm going to, let's, I, I, I put in the show notes, I'm putting in new rules for guests. Uh, no, I'm putting in a plan to suggest to my wife new <laughs> rules for guests, because that's how this really works. Uh, one guest per week. Arrival time is way before I go to bed. We had one of them show up at my bedtime. And they want to sit and chat. I didn't get to bed till midnight, Stu. Mm -hmm. Did you know there's a 12 at night as well as during the day? <laughs> I haven't seen that in a long time. Um, and then the next day I was actually buggered. So um, yes, um, we had guests making us adjust our pre-existing plans to suit them. Um, I'm just going to... Well, I'll probably throw my toys out of the pram and say, no, 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 no. And then say, yes, dear. Um, but yes, it was, it was very stressful for me. Um, having to be on my game without a break, you mm -hmm. know, you come up from work and there's people having lunch with you and you come up from work and there's people having dinner or, you know, hanging around or it was just very weird. Um, so yeah, I, I do not do well with my routine. Um, I like my routine. I've, I've had my routine for a little while up here. I don't like it when it's interrupted. I'm whining a lot today. On a positive tool note though, I did buy myself a new chainsaw on the weekend. So yay me. Oh, new chainsaw. I mean, phew. I, I've never owned a chainsaw. I'm never going to own a chainsaw. And I certainly would never willingly pick up a, a chainsaw. I think there's probably laws against me having a chainsaw. Mm. Um, I think I've used this phrase before, but my dad once saw me with a, with a power drill and said, you look like a cue with a gun, uh, which is, um, for people speaking English, uh, you look like a cow with a gun, which is, I'm guessing, not complimentary. I think he was implying it didn't look natural in my hand. I'm, I'm awful with power tools. I'm mm. Frightening, just useless. Yeah, uh, well, I, I got this uh, new chainsaw just in time for them to put a fire ban in. So ah, all this wood for nothing. <laughs> we'll figure it out what's your pen and ink of the week this week Stu uh, well I mean going by your show notes I think we're having a little bit of a, a Mont Blanc shootout um, because I am rocking my uh, Mont Blanc Héritage Collection Rouge et Noir Special Edition you know um, which is um, it's a very sort of thin Pen. I, I, I hesitate to say ladylike, but it's much skinnier than the fountain pen that I would usually use. Um, but it's got the the old Mont Blanc sort of snake uh, clasp on it. It's a clip. Yeah, it's a beautiful pen. It's just a lovely pen. Um, and th there's a link in the show notes to, to where you can get it. Um, and uh, I'm using Diamine Honeyburst, which is a Gibson Les Paul Um you know, there's sort of four or five inks in that series. Um, it's it's a sort of, yeah, it's like a honeyed orange. It's very, very nice. What about you? What have you got from from the big Swiss boys? I'm just looking at the honey burst and also thinking, oh, that is a lovely color on the guitar as well. Mine's in the tobacco, but anyway. Uh, you know, you'll have to go out and buy a matching guitar now just to match your um, ink. I'm on it. Because that's the way I rock. Uh, my... Uh, trade-off or shoot at my Mont Blanc shootout entry this week. I was looking for something with, okay, Stu, I'm not going to lift this down. I was looking for something with a medium nib mm. because it has been a long, long time since I wrote something with a medium nib. Um, and I felt like doing some journaling and I felt like a big, for me, juicy nib. Most of the stuff I've got inked up is quite narrow so I picked up a Mont Blanc 145, which is a Meisterstück classic. Um, in, uh, it's a black pen with gold trim. It's classic. It is a smaller pen. So normally I use a bigger pen. This is very small uh, compared to those. It's a um, cartridge converter filler um, with still a lovely gold nib. It's medium nib stew. Um, filled it with Ackerman's Shocking Blue, which is just a lovely ink as well. And yeah, I've just enjoyed writing in my journal with that. Uh, largely complaining about visitors, but, uh, you know, I'm sure there's more than that. 
<laughs> best to get it out of your system and into the journal. Exactly. Or talk about it on a podcast. Either one of those two things is therapy for me, apparently. Mm, that's it. All right. Our topic this week kind of ties nicely into this rest and recovery. Um, I'm feeling like I'm on the edge of burnout again, Stu. Mm -hmm. Life has become extremely busy with to-do lists, repairs, friends, guests throwing me off my schedule. I've not had any time even to get out into the mountains alone lately. The seasonal aspect of living up here is really noticeable because in the winter you can't do a lot of stuff outside and in the summer you have a small window of time before it gets cypress hot and then you have a small window of time in the fall where you prepare for winter so there is a ton of stuff that i'm doing so this you know busyness is not just work related though I think part of all of this, this stuff is sort of killing the passion for work a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just not sure what's going on. Maybe post COVID life isn't agreeing with me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm certainly noticing the challenges of working remotely for non-remote organizations. Uh, I've kind of had, you know, no break since Christmas and no real vacation since last summer. So, you know, that's a North American problem with crappy vacation allowances. And I thought, you know, if I'm feeling this way, other people are probably feeling this way, you know, as people start to get back into an office and, you know, other people have dealt with this thing called winter uh, before I have. It's, you know, not uh, a surprise if you live in North America, unless you're privileged enough to live on the coast where it's kind of a rainforest all year round. Um, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. How about you, Stu? Do you, do you ever feel this way or is it just me? Oh, no, it's definitely not just you. No, I've I've been um, very similar. Um, as I was just explaining about the the sort of deadlines, um, you know, I mean, I talk a lot about productivity. I work quite hard at my productivity, and I was looking. Um, well, I was feeling a little bit off color this week, um, a little bit under the weather, quite literally, I suspect. Um, but also, I was feeling overwhelmed by by the amount of things on my plate. Now, you've got to bear in mind, I'm semi-retired. I'm going to be overwhelmed by the things on my plate. But, um, yeah, I think it's really easy to get to a point where, um, I suppose for me, um, it tends to be about, it's that always-on culture mm. that if if I don't draw very firm boundaries, then I sit upstairs watching TV feeling guilty about the work I haven't done. Um, even though it's not work time anymore. Um, and I sit in the office procrastinating about the work that I should be doing and don't do, which then leads to me sitting upstairs watching TV and feeling guilty and then getting up in the morning and going to the golf course and feeling guilt. Wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, I feel guilty. And that that to me is, that's the big sort of red flag to me of, like, oh, hang on, hang on, stew boy. Go and, go and get a hold of yourself. Um. And yeah, I mean, I think, well, well, we'll go through sort of, you know, bit by bit. I think there are lots and lots of red flags and I think there are lots and lots of possible remedies to get you back on the right track. Uh, sorry, to get one on the right track. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's... Me is good on the right track too. Yeah, exactly. I think it's hugely common, this, uh, this feeling. It, it's, you know, burnout is overwhelm, I think, predominantly. I mean, there are much more serious cases too. Um, and you know, I'm no doctor, but, uh, for me, it tends to be about overwhelm. Do you think that's what, where it comes from for you? Yeah. And I think what it is, is, uh, it's really all the stuff around the house that I have to do is just pushing me to that. And some of it's time sensitive and there's just so much work that needs to be done. Um, you know, before it just gets too hot to deal with it. And, and that's, uh, that's a challenge and it, it weighs heavily, just as you said, for me, I'm, if I'm actually sitting down and not doing something, I'm thinking all of the things that I should do. I guess this is one of the disadvantages of tax ma task manager. You can see exactly what it is that you need to do. And when that list gets long, 
Um, the task manager doesn't do it. Somebody's got to do that stuff. Mm. So certainly it is, um, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's burnout. I found yesterday, for example, I, I paid a lot of money for, um, a little something the other day. Uh, I bought myself a really fancy drinks cooler, mm-hmm. um, just so I can keep my beers cold when I walk down to my friends and have a drink on those odd days I get a day off. Um, they screwed up the order, misshipped it. Uh, well, they actually forgot to include part of it. And so I sent them, went to their contact information. Their contact information was a long distance call to the U S which gets expensive for us in Canada. I found the report a problem. We'll get back to you in two to three days. And that made me more angry than it really should have. Um, and so, yeah, I noticed that I'm kind of on the edge. I can feel myself on the edge, but yeah, I think you're, you're right. Overload is certainly part of that. And I'm not sure how to handle that because this is, this isn't work, you know, work is work. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's still going along. I mean, that has its ups and downs, like I think most people, but, um, this is all the junk that I have to do outside of working mm-hmm. and the fact that I can't just take a week off to do all the junk that I need to do sure. certainly adds to that, that overload feel. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, what, what do you think? How does one balance life to avoid burnout? It's one of the questions I sort of put as a conversation starter in, in our, in our show notes here. Well, you might want to take a seat. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, for, how do you balance life to avoid burnout? One that you've already mentioned, journal. Um, The act of writing things down uh, clarifies immensely, I think, because it allows you to get your feelings out and you find that you're venting about the position of the toilet lid rather than how many tasks are facing you. And so you begin to get the impression, okay, I'm just feeling a bit discombobulated, I'm discomforted, I'm out of my routine. And perhaps that is contributing to the way that I feel. Journaling helps you work these things out, whether consciously or subconsciously. Uh, it has a positive impact, I believe. Um, get out. That would be my other one. Get out. Go walk. Um, I'm huge on walking. I'm considering getting all sorts of walking mottos tattooed all over me. But um, getting out and walking is something that many, 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 many people have discovered makes them feel better. Now. If you live somewhere really, really hot, um, then get out and walk very, very early before it gets really, really hot. But getting out into nature, I just think, can give you a huge amount of perspective. Mm. Um, and then that that word perspective is the one that um, I'm pretty good at having a word with myself. Um, it often takes a day or two um, or even more of me sort of getting a bit glum getting a little bit on top of myself but sometimes i just have to sort of sit down and say okay right all of these things let's have a look at some perspective if i get burnt out properly burnt out as in depressed unable really to do anything then nothing on these lists are getting done Um, and there may even be worse consequences i may find myself needing to speak to doctors i may need myself needing to take tablets there's all sorts of things that you know Burnout is serious. So what do I need to do? I need not to get burnt out. So then I start looking at my task list in a completely different way. And I start saying, right, okay. Um, let me think. Uh, irrigation for the garden. Delegate it. Oh, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done thinking about this. Um, I'm done procrastinating about it. I am going to spend half an hour locating someone is going to do it for me. Now, I'm in the fortunate position of having the cash to do that. Or I will turn around and say, irrigation, not going to happen till the fall. Just, I don't have the bandwidth for it. And I start putting those defer dates in the task manager so the thing disappears. Because I've got to get to a point where I can look at my tasks and say, okay, I can manage this. Now, that's not to say that a couple of days later, irrigation doesn't come back (laughs) because so often I find that as my mindset improves, my productivity improves, 
and my appetite for tasks improves. But I have to go through that process of saying, okay, what really matters here? And actually, the thing that really matters the most is your mental health. Because without it, none of it's happening. And so if you have to find a way of clearing a one, two days, whatever it might be, I think even a day can make a huge difference where you just say, okay, for this day, I'm putting all of that stuff to one side and I'm going to focus on these things for me to help me get back to where I need to be. I think that's hugely important. I think you have to recognize the signs. You know, for you and I, it's quite easy because we're both, you know, we're closer to death than we were to birth, let's say. Um, and I think we can recognize those signs and you need to act. You need to say, okay, right, well, time out. I need to get on top of this. I need to make sure that I'm taking action to resolve this. And we have all the tools now to make this stuff kind of go away for a little bit. Not forever, but just push it back, push it back, push it back. Mm. Get some focus, get some perspective. Because many of the things that you tell yourself are important and that I tell myself are important are not. It's interesting. I, I agree with a lot of that. Uh, one of the things that I think is really important uh, that you and I do, and I think is actually really the key to this discussion, is have some method of checking in with your own mental health mm -hmm. to, to detect when you're feeling early signs of stress and you need rest and recovery. Um, you know, we talked about journaling. Uh, part of the reason I pulled out a Mont Blanc medium nib pen, which is a little out of character for me. I'm not a huge fan of the medium nibs, uh, was because I've spent a lot of time this week journaling and journaling for me has helped me sort of understand mm. the need for some rest and recovery in, in my life. Um, you know, really that is important more than anything else about balancing life is understanding how that changing balance affects you and being aware of yourself enough to know when you need to take an action, like throwing money at people or uh, deferring tasks or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, I think you brought up a really good point there, Stu, and that would sort of be my addition to that. Mm -hmm. No, I, th I think you're right. It's, it's, Really, it's the whole point of doing something like journaling is is understanding where you are. I think it's very, very important. Definitely. Uh, next question. I know you've already talked about some of these, but uh, techniques for rest and recovery. And I guess one of the ways I wanted to address this, as you talked about, is how you get things done. You just focus on one thing. You get those done. Rest days. Mm. Days where you just need a break mm -hmm. the rest the recovery part um do you have any tips do you schedule those is there a way that you can clear your calendar without feeling guilty for taking a well let's call it a mental health day or just a day that you need without here's my task list and you know it becomes a work again is there is there anything you've got on that Stu? yeah i mean i think um it's very individual and it depends very much upon circumstance. So the important thing for me or the, the thing that I took a long time for me to understand is that rest and recovery doesn't mean doing nothing. Um, it means doing something else that brings me uh, that sort of pleasure, that, um, oh, what do they call it, the state of flow, um, something that, that takes me out of the things that I'm getting anxious about or obsessing about or just procrastinating about even. Uh, and, okay, for me, listeners will know I'm quite fond of going to play golf. So that gives me several times a week time when I say, okay, the phone goes into golf mode, which means that people can't get hold of me. It's a simpler well, certain people can, but most people cannot get hold of me because. I don't do anything, he said touching wood, that requires action within the next five hours or everybody's going to die. So I, I I don't put out fires for a living. I put out metaphorical fires in terms of anti-money laundering compliance, but none of that happens in sort of the span of 24 hours. It's all longer term stuff. So I try and pepper my my week with rest and recovery. So 
Um, I used to play golf on a Saturday. That's when a lot of my friends play. Um, but now that uh, the current Mrs. L is working during the week, weekends are the only chance that we have to spend any real quality time together. So I've stopped playing golf for the weekend. The message doesn't appear to have got through to Mrs. L, who still schedules her Saturday with beauticians and nails. And But in fairness, she needs to do it then. It's the only time she can do it. Um, and I feel that it's good for us that I be available to assist in that any way I can, rather than just sort of disappearing and playing golf. So during the weekend, I don't schedule work. I do schedule other things. You know, we have a call every other week. Um, I will... I have a list of people that I want to keep in touch with. And I, I sort of put that into my R&R techniques of reach out to someone, to a, to a friend I haven't spoken to for a while, whether that be a, a message or <gasps> this old-fashioned thing, Justin, that we do, which is phone people. Um, but that, to me, is an important part of rest and recovery because it just reminds me that I'm not identified by what I do as a, as a profession. And that that is not all of me. That's part of me for sure. But there are other parts, and I need to, to to exercise those parts too. I need to reach out to people that I love. I need to reach out to people I haven't spoken to for a while, because that social contact can be very invigorating. Hmm. Um, my best friend and I often laugh that when we speak to each other, we find the other is more miserable than we were, which bizarrely makes us feel better. Um, and I'm not sure that's a very healthy way of approaching it, but it, it does work. So I think I've got problems. I'll speak to him and go, oh, wow, I'm glad I'm not you, um, and, and vice versa. So um, I think there are techniques that they are very personal. Um, it doesn't have to be a full day. It can be an afternoon. And it can be something you schedule. It can be something where I'll look at my week and go, okay, I am going to move things away from my Friday afternoon. And come lunchtime Friday, I'm downing tools. I'm done. I'm going to grab myself a, an alcohol-free beer from the fridge. It used to be a beer. Um, but if I start drinking at lunchtime on a Friday, I'm going to be unconscious by tea time. So um, I just have an alcohol-free beer and go, okay, now's the weekend. I'll go and play with my dogs. I'll go and hang out in the garden. Uh, I'll try and move myself in some way, shape, or form, maybe go for a swim. Um, but get that sort of priority straight in my head where I say, okay, I need some R&R &R and I'm going to schedule it because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big boy and I'm in charge of my own life. Did that answer the question? Yeah. Do you, do you find that, um, things are, are different now that you have a little more control over your life than when you were working oh, sure. a corporate jobby job? Sure, 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 sure. Um, it's, it's a huge privilege to be able to manage your own time. Um, and although I do, and I do have that power, I also have clients and clients phone you um, and clients will often phone you um, for nothing else other than needing reassurance, to be honest. And if you're a client, then you, you, you know, I answer your call. So it doesn't always go exactly as I would like it to. Um, and clearly the more sort of corporate you are and the more you're within an organization, the more it's impossible for you to turn around and say, well, you know what, boss? I, I feel kind of done today. I'm off. Goodbye. Uh, have a nice lunch and I'll see you tomorrow. Most bosses are going to find that difficult. However, um, certainly when I was a boss and people that I know that are bosses are much more amenable now to people coming to them and saying, um, listen, chief, um, I've got a load of stuff on. Um, I'm going to try and clear through my work on, on Thursday. Are you cool if I take a half day on Friday? And most bosses that I've worked with or for have turned around and gone, sure, you, you get your stuff done. You, you need, is everything okay? Yeah, yeah, boss, I'm fine. I just, just need a little bit of time. Cool. Um, I don't think I've ever been not paid for that half day when I've asked for that. Um, and it's a, it's, a, it's a big thing for people. I think people are very nervous of doing it. But speaking as a boss, and you're a boss too, if somebody comes to you and says, you know, I, I need to do this. They don't need to start using buzzwords like mental health or uh, duvet day or, um, you know, what do they, what, what they call it, self-help day or something, care day, self-care day. They don't need to say that. Just say that I need half a day. With good relationships uh, in the workplace, most bosses, I think, will say, they won't do it every week, <laughs> but we'll turn around and go, yeah, go for it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I know um, my bosses when I was dealing with all of uh, Cindy's needs when she was going through her cancer treatment. Sure. Um, were extremely uh, caring. I guess, you know, it's, it's like a lot of things, though. You got to look at the corporate culture, you got to read the room, and, uh, you know, you've got you've to be willing to have that difficult conversation. Mm -hmm. I think we, as, you know, employees often build those conversations up in our minds as much harder than perhaps they would be for, um, that than they would be from a boss's point of view. You know, a, a boss is going to look at this and say, yeah, yeah, you're doing fine. You go ahead. Whereas we kind of build up that stress to doing something different. And that, that's a hard one, uh, especially, you know, in, I think remote, you know, this remote time is, is even harder because, you know, how, how do you do that remotely? Well, I, now, now it's a much more difficult conversation because you've almost, you've got to send it by a Slack message or by a, uh, can I have a conversation with you mm. unless you have regular, what do they call them? One-on-ones. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it becomes, it becomes, uh, more difficult and, and you're right. We are a lot of us uh, that are doing this remote work are certainly feel like we need to be there more than perhaps we do. Yeah. It's a tough one. I think it's hugely difficult because the one thing that you would advise people not to do is take that half day without telling anyone. Um, because even though you get the half day and 99% of us can get away with doing that because of, you know, working remotely um, and, you know, calls don't come or emails don't come that are, are desperately important. Um, the reality is that your half day is not a half day because you're automatically and immediately feeling guilty. Um, and so you're not taking the time to, to replenish your energy levels to, you know, sort of just reboot yourself. You're just worrying about the fact that you're not sitting in front of your desk worrying. And, and so you haven't achieved anything. So it, it is, as you say, it's that first step of saying, chief, I need a word. Um, you know, can we jump on the call? Can we, um, and, and just say, look, I need a little bit of time. And even if you tell little white lies, I need a little bit of time to sort out some personal admin. It's going to be a, a half day. I'd like to do it this Friday or maybe one day next week. I, like I say, every boss I know will respond positively to that. Mm. What bosses always fear is a lack of control. And what bosses fear is that if they were to phone every single employee on a Friday afternoon, nobody's answering because they're all in the pub. <laughs> that's that's what they're worried about. Um, and so it's quite refreshing to have a client, uh, not a client, uh, an employee reach out and say, listen, you know, I, I need to, do, to get some stuff done, whatever it might be. You don't need to go into... Um, things that are personal or difficult, um, you, assuming you've got that relationship with your boss. And I appreciate that's a huge assumption to make. So it is individual for everyone else. If you can't take time out of work, then what you have to make sure is that you turn work off when you're not working. Yeah. Whether you be working remotely or not, there is a time in the day, whether it be five o'clock, six o'clock or seven, I don't know what it is, where you go, bang, I am done. <laughs> and there is no no messages. Nothing is getting through to you from work because that is your time, and that is your time to recharge. Because if you don't recharge, you're like every other battery; you will run out. Yeah, yeah, that's a a really good point. Do you also think you know we've talked before about the difference between European approach to holidays mm -hmm. uh, for staff uh, and the North American approach, which are well considerably different let's put it that way mm -hmm. um do you feel that europe still suffers from this problem or is this something that you feel see hear more about from north american workers mm, i mean i think um we're better at managing it in europe i think there's greater recognition that um modern capitalism is a nonsense um, it's going to take a long time for us to be able to accept that. And it's going to take a long time for us to work out how to replace it. But it is all a nonsense. The whole let's go to work for five days and let's work 12 hours each day and let's not take vacate. It's just complete rubbish. I mean, what on earth is the point of all this technology 
if everybody is going to run to work and feel stressed and overloaded and overwhelmed. It's idiocy of the highest order. Um, and countries like Sweden and Denmark, the, those are the ones that are taking the lead on this. Um, and also it's spreading. I mean, France, um, you can, you know, several American bosses have got in trouble for sending people email out of hours because you can be, you can be sued for doing that in France. Um, and obviously most of the sort of Mediterranean has always ignored anything it doesn't want to hear anyway. So um, I, I certainly if you look at the Scandinavia, the happiness indexes are the highest in the world. Uh, productivity is right up there um, with the best in the world, uh, but nobody is working 80-hour weeks. I mean, and certainly most Scandinavians that I know, I've got a, a few good friends, um, you know, Norwegian, Swedish, and Danish, um, <laughs> and even a Finn or two. Um, they, they all look at me and go, well, no, why would I be looking at my work email? I'm off. Don't, don't you understand how off works? And I, I literally, they look at you um, <laughs> as if you're as if you're mad. Um, and these are entrepreneurs. Huh? These aren't you know salary uh, salaried workers who who feel they could just switch off and somebody else will deal with it. These people who run their own businesses. And they say, well, yeah, I do run my own business, but I'll be running it at nine o'clock till tomorrow morning. And whoever needs me can call me then. Um, and it is a much 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 healthier way to live. And all of this sort of work, work, work culture is completely unnecessary. It makes absolutely no sense. I don't know, though, Stu. I've been caught by those uh, German holidays before. Uh -huh. You know how they take, like, the summer off? Mm -hmm. um, business in North America doesn't. And when you need something from Germany in a rush because something broke mm -hmm. and you get the answer... We will be back in the months. Yep. Um, one does freak out a little bit. So uh, Sure. But then, you know what? Nobody dies. The business continues. The world keeps turning. And you just make sure you've got a spare before they go on holiday next year. That's, uh, it's the only way we'll ever learn, Justin. And, mm. you know, I mean, certainly in France, uh, when I lived there, or even here in Cyprus, right? There, there's all sorts of admin that I'm trying to get done now for a whole bunch of things. They're all very boring. But... I know that my window runs till mm, kind of the end of, of July, you know, the third week of July, maybe anything I need from any government uh, agency or office, it's, it's got to be done by then. And I mean, done, finished and delivered. And if it isn't, then there is no point in me thinking about it again until the second half of September. <laughs> I got to get me a job like that. Well, I was talking to somebody about this today. Cyprus is very specific. My wife works in a private school. So, you know, people pay fees to send their children to this school. And there are teachers in the school, Cypriots, who work there temporarily while they wait for a position to come up in the state school system where people send their children for free. And the reason that they wait is that there is a... Uh, there's kind of a list system to get into these schools as a teacher. Because once you are working in any organ of the state, actually, but teaching is one example, um, you cannot be fired. And let me repeat that. You cannot be fired. So, uh, and you're very highly paid. Okay. So the highest paid jobs uh, in Cyprus are all funded by the state. Wow. And I'll repeat it again. You cannot be fired. So, so when I'm dealing with the land registry office, I have to be extremely polite and very um, unassuming and very grateful to whoever I'm speaking to because it is not uncommon for them to turn around and go, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and if you turn around and say, well, no, you have to do that. It's your job. They'll go, mm, how can I put this? Go away. Mm. And you, as the client, as the customer, you have no recourse, none whatsoever. If that person decides they're not going to help you, you ain't getting helped. <laughs> so um, if you go in there, and uh, people will know I've got a tendency for bluster. If you go in there all guns blazing, they will just fix you with that look that says, you ain't never getting what you need, big boy. And so... <laughs> And so, um, 
it, it's it's a completely different approach, but I guess in some way it's effective. It's we have to, I think, get to the point where we understand that work for work's sake is not working. I don't know how many times I can get work into one sentence. I'll I'll try and improve upon it later. But um, I was listening to um, a podcast the other day. I'll, I'll, for next week, I'll look up uh, the the writer. It's called Donut Economics, I think. Um, and this is an economist um, who's saying the unsayable, um, although it has been being said since the 1970s. Um, our entire system, the one that you and I I dare say, excuse my excuse my hubris, have flourished in. Um, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's outdated. Growth for growth's sake, uh, which you know, every company you've worked for or I work for has been all about growth. Um, mm. It's nonsense because that growth is costing the life of the one livable planet in the solar system. And so, what, <laughs> once we've destroyed that one livable planet by striving for growth, we're all going to die unless we've come up with some innovative solution. And if you're pinning your hopes on Elon Musk, God help you. <laughs> wow, that went to a bit of a tangent there, Stu. <laughs> well, yes, indeed. It's just something that was in my head. But yeah, I mean, I think uh, the European approach to work is better and it's getting even better because more countries are now saying, look, Work has got to be part of what we do. Um, what's as important, if not more important, is community. Because if you don't have that, then well, your life expectancy goes down. There are more mental health issues. There's more overwhelm. There's more loneliness. All of these things are tied back to that wrong assumption <laughs> that we're all put on the planet to work until we drop. Well, that's positive, isn't it? Yes. All right. One final question on this one, and then we'll wrap up the show. How does one deal with people interrupting their routine? Now, I, I, I'm wondering, given my previous tirade uh, on people flipping up toilet lids, um, this one is quite important to me uh, and probably doesn't fit in really here, but I wanted to know, Stu, you have a lot of guests that come and stay with you. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with people messing with your routine? Well, I suppose there's a couple of ways I approach this. One would be that, um, you know, getting old is crap unless you consider the alternative. And having guests is crap unless you consider the alternative. So whether you or I both very comfortable in our own company, um, both happy I suspect, spend possibly days at a time, weeks at a time, with no contact with another living being. Mm. But actually, that said, we are still social beings. And a lot of our sense of self-worth, a lot of sense of, uh, of well-being does come through interaction with other humans. And having guests, people who like you enough, to to actually bother themselves to travel, or in your case and mine, like our spouses well enough to bother themselves to travel uh, and to come and spend their time with you, which is the most precious resource we all have, is a great compliment. And your whining and my whining apart, I think secretly we both enjoy hosting and we both enjoy showing people this is the beautiful place I live. And you know, uh, you've got vineyards, I've got vineyards. Um, and it's nice. It's, it's fun. It gets quite tiring quite quickly. It gets wearing quite quickly, but I, uh, I sometimes take myself aside and say, do you know what? These people have come here to see you or to see my wife or to see both of us. Um, they're my friends. I want them to have a good time. Yes. It annoys me that they put their feet where they put their feet or that they don't take their shoes off or, you know, whatever these sort of annoyances are. But would I rather they didn't come because I don't want them to wear their shoes in their house? No, I would rather they did come. And um, that's one way I look at it. And the other way I look at it is, well, I'm me. So, so if I want you not to wear your shoes in the house, when you walk into the house, I'll say, oh, take your shoes off. And if you wear them into the house, I will stamp on your foot. 
And everybody goes, <laughs> and I go, no, I'm deadly serious. Um, and then everybody laughs again, and then it's never mentioned, and everybody takes the shoes off. I, I think as a host, I try, I try and think of how I like to be hosted. So if I'm a guest, I like the host to say to me, you could do this, you could do that, you could do this, don't do that, don't do that, and don't do that. Put the toilet lid down. Exactly. Because if I know the rules, I'll, I mean, I might not always get them right, but I will do my best to honour the the host and, you know, be as unobtrusive as I can. But if I don't know the rules and I don't know the various, you know, idiosyncrasies of my host, then I'll, I'll undoubtedly get things wrong because I'm very um, easygoing about most things, you know, up or down, doesn't bother me with the lid. Um, but if, if the host says to me, oh, by the way, Toilet, put it down. I mean, what we do um, is Margaret will tell everybody that they have to close the plugs and put the toilet lids down because, well, you know, nasty things come out of the septic tank. <laughs> ah. Which I'm not sure that's strictly true, but uh, it certainly focuses the mind of the guests who sort of envisage 14-foot pythons appearing out of their toilets. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think clarity of communication is really important um, and saying, okay, trying to preserve a little bit of that routine where you can so you know i always say to guests okay this is how it goes guys i get up at five i don't care when you get up you could do what you like but i will be getting up at five i will be feeding my dogs and i'll be walking my dogs if you'd like to come for a walk it's beautiful out there it's gorgeous by all means coming along i will give you a dog i'll give you some poo bags and you know we'll go and have a walk together um if you don't want to and you want to stay in bed that's great but that's what's gonna happen don't get up at eight o'clock and say, can we take the dogs for a walk? Because the answer is no. Okay, cool. And then people make their choices. But I guess you need to have a character somewhat like mine to be able to do that. Mm. Um, and they shouldn't be your wife's friends because uh, that probably is going to get you in trouble. No. <laughs> if they're my wife's friends, it's exactly the same. I said, Honestly, I mean, I may moderate the tone a little bit, but I'll just say, look, I get up at five. Please don't feel that you need to in any way. Your guests, you can stay in bed for as long as you like. But at five, that's when the dogs go out. It's important that they keep their routine. Um, open brackets. It's important that I keep my routine. Close brackets. Um, and, and generally, I find that guests want to know um, how it is they can avoid annoying you. Because every guest is also a host, if you see what I mean. Mm. All right. Something to consider and rules to suggest for my wife for next time. Let's put some of these down and see how it goes. I just think that's going to be a problem for me, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay, Stu. It's all good. All right. Uh, any takeaways from thoughts on rest and recovery? I. And I think the most important thing is acknowledge that you need it, um, whether that be you need it all the time as a regular thing or whether it be for whatever reason, if, if you're Justin or me and you've just been completely sort of knocked off your game by visitors or anything else, just acknowledge it and take some action. T take control of the situation. Um, pretending it's going to go away, you know, the ostrich approach, stick your head in the sand, won't work. Hmm. I, mine is actually very much the same as yours is uh, know yourself. As I mentioned earlier, understand your own feelings well enough to know when you're feeling some of this pressure that you need some rest and recovery before it comes to a boil. Um, journal, you know, that's the way I think Stu and I both do it. Pick, pick your own way to take your temperature for what's on your plate what pressures you have and how it's affecting you. And then you could just act on it. I think that Stu's given us lots of things that we could do to uh, tell our boss that we're taking Friday afternoon off, which sounds like a really good idea. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of stuff here that can help you. Cool. Just tell your boss that Stu said it was okay. <sighs> yeah. Oh, I don't want the boss to listen to the podcast. We'll be in trouble. All right. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's, uh, well, it's not quite as bad as your wife listening to the podcast, but that's a whole different problem of <laughs> our own making. I think where can people find you on the internet this week, Stu? Uh, so yeah, any bosses, uh, who need to get in touch can, uh, email me at uh, spam at stuartlandon.com. Uh, anybody who's not a boss can get me at hello at stuartlandon.com. 
My website is www.stuartlennon.com. You can also find me at limeconsulting.com, but that's all about anti-money laundering. So it's a bit dull, to be honest. Um, and you're trying to sell courses there too. That's, oh, uh, yes. You can buy a training course. If you want to know about UK anti-money laundering compliance. I'm not paying that, Stu. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I may even come up with a discount code for, for listeners of stationary adjacent. Um, you can also find some wonderful stationery at nerosnotes.co.uk. And if you want to get in touch with both Justin and I, you can drop us an email at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Well, uh, you can find all of links to both of us at stationaryadjacent.com. And you can find more about me at justintwyford.com, even though I've been uh, getting some rest and recovery away from the interwebs this week. Um, please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher of choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. And please email me and let me know that I'm not the only one that is so troubled by toilet lids up because <laughs> it bothers me more than I care to admit to. All right. Our next topic is who am I optimizing to become? Serious, hey, Stu? I don't know. Where does that come from? That is from a book, uh, Personal Socrates, by, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Um, it's one of the Baron Fig books that they put out, and it's a series of short chapters, and each one gives you an idea to think about. And I thought this one ties in pretty well to what we talk about. Fantastic. So, Personal Socrates. Wow. I, I, well, indeed. I shall, I, shall, I shall think about who I am optimizing to become. Mm -hmm. All right. Until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.